Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and we're back with another in our draft series. This is the final one of our entire draft series. It's going to be a total of, let me look at it right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hours of us talking about prospects in this draft. If you can't get a draft guide out of those nine hours, I don't know if, I don't know where you can get one that's nine hours long, but we're providing one. Today we're talking defensive backs. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, this show is brought to you by betteredge.com. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons. You get $20 just for signing up. And of course, prize picks. Use promo code five, F-I-V-E. And if you deposit $100, it's a one-time rollover, which means essentially they're giving you $100 because you could bet it through and then they reimburse you. So it's a free $100. Take it. F-I-V-E. All right. I want to start with Chris. I know I always start with Simon, but I'm going to start with Chris today. Chris, did you did you hear uh, Simon's bit uh, about the the press conference of uh, I, Chris Greer, Marvin I did, Allen? I did not. Uh, sorry, I, I, I haven't uh, I haven't heard it yet. Uh, oh. Simon, how, how do you how do you feel that your efforts were essentially wasted because your co-host here, Chris Coffin, didn't even respond to it? The people heard it, Alpha, and I think that's the most important thing. That's is, true, is the most, is, is, the isn't most it kind of disappointing that, that that Chris didn't hear it? It was good I mean, work. Like, it was funny as hell. I don't think I've ever listened to a single second of this podcast without being on it, so I can't really, <laughs> I can't really slag Chris off. Oh, but, but you said but well, without if, being if, on it, if which was, means if that there, when you're on it, message, you, which means there's a message for me, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just if I if I was going to give Chris a message, I'd just send him a WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. I am. I know I have never listened to a single second of it. When I'm not on it, I ain't listening. And I love you guys, but I ain't listening. Yeah. Now you're implying that you're listening to it when you're on it, but well, I listen to it in spirit. A lot of the time, I just tune out or do other stuff while you two are talking. <laughs> and then when I know it's my turn, I like focus. Well, um, I think you summed it up perfectly of what that that press conference was going to be like. Um. Our co-host here, Chris Kaufman, uh, decided, okay, I'm really going to listen to this this press conference in great detail and take a lot of things from it because he posted about it on OnlyFans and on Twitter. Uh, so I'll ask him because I know I know Simon's opinion of this press conference because you know we you can hear it in our last episode. So Chris, what did you take away from the dynamic duo of Marvin Allen and Chris Greer. Well, first off, I think it was interesting that Marvin Allen was there. You know, um, they're clearly. He's kind of chatty, uh, isn't he? Like he was about to re- reveal our entire draft plan for. Of, yeah, he's, he he didn't he didn't quite have that that say absolutely nothing, give away nothing kind of thing. Um, not yet, anyway. He's he's almost there. Um, he's it's it's not that he's far away from it either. But um, but yeah, he. I no, it's just uh, clear that they're trying to. I mean, they they want him to get a they want him to get a GM job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and next time, next time there's a GM job up, you know, that they're, they're trying to get him exposure. They want him to get, they want him to get that job. They want um, that massive third round pick back. That's what they want. 
<laughs> yeah, no, well, that, that's yeah. yeah. No, no, I mean they they would they would get that, but also I just think you know like it's not like they want to lose him, but I mean like it's time you know for for him, and uh, and so I, I think they really do and do want to uh, to see him to see him go out there and get a, a GM job. Um, the first thing you know right away in the first question they they ask him you know they ask uh, Chris Greer you know what, what are you what are you thinking about um, uh, about Austin Jackson? Is he a starter? Is he, you know, whatever? And um, and frankly, I thought that I was a little bit surprised by uh, Chris Greer's answer because he's so good at like the these press conferences. Generally, he he will say nothing. Just I mean, it's just words. It's just words that go around in circle <laughs> and, and and draw. You know, you know, you might as well just tune it out, uh, like Simon was saying. Um, but he did say something, you know, and it, it, it was notable in its change and change in wording. Um, because if you go back to earlier in the off season, when they were talking about Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg, they were very adamant that they would, um, they would be acquiring, you know, quote unquote competition for those guys. And, um, and, and that they said that they, um, they didn't you know, say that anybody is the starter and they might have, you know, engaged in some excuse making excuse making about um what happened to them this last season, but uh but they they were very clear that um that competition will be competition will be um acquired. Well he's asked about Austin Jackson this time around is like is he the starter and um he didn't say the word competition or compete a single time. He didn't qualify it. He didn't qualify by saying, you know, well, right now he's this, you know, like he, he didn't say anything like that. There were no qualifications. He said, essentially, our expectation is that Austin Jackson is, a, is our starter and we look forward to seeing what he can do because we think he got a raw deal last year with his injuries. And we think that another year around Toronto Armstead, is going to be terrific, you know, mm-hmm. and that's it. And that's it. And I'm looking for I'm looking for the you know sort of the hemming and the hawing and the you know the 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 vague language and the you know uh, ambiguous uh, language and and it wasn't there it wasn't there it wasn't ambiguous at all uh, he used uh, language that he did not refuse to use before didn't say the word competition or compete a single time uh, didn't talk about getting anybody else. At, at that position, he just said, our expectation is that Austin Jackson's a starter and we think he's going to do great, you know? And, and that was, that, oof, that was, that was breathtaking. That took my breath away and not in a good way, <laughs> you know? So, um, so, so that, Simon, that's evident- number evident- one take from the whole thing. Evidently, Chris got a lot out of that, that press conference. So I got to ask you, did you get anything from it or it was pretty much this, what you expected? Oh, it was what I expected. I mean, it was everything that I expected. I knew that I we've said for a long time, both privately on OnlyFans and on the pod, that Austin Jackson is going to be the starter at right tackle, and that's how it's shaping up. And I, I didn't expect anything else than what he delivered, and he delivered. So he, at least he's consistent. Yeah, the only other thing that I did take from this this uh, that presser was uh, Cedric Wilson, uh, don't buy a house. <laughs> Whatever you do. Stay yeah, that language that language is clear wasn't it like <laughs> yeah whenever you hear somebody say oh we're gonna do right by cedric wilson 
that means anybody has a, a fifth or a sixth round pick that that's burning a hole in their pockets, send it our way. <laughs> you know? Well, I thought it was interesting also because he said that particularly when they signed Chosen Anderson, they received they immediately received phone calls on Cedric mm-hmm. Wilson. And um and that's interesting to me because you know Cedric Wilson has a contract that some teams might consider to be prohibitive, you know, for depending on on what what you think of the player. Mm-hmm. Um and what that means to me is that yeah, there are, there are teams out there that are willing to take on that contract and so they're willing to to sell an asset to to send an asset over to um to get Cedric. Is it going to be a valuable asset? No, but um it, you know, there there are teams willing to do it, which I I thought was interesting in itself. Yeah, it could be useful in a package or whatever, you know, but I, they're not going to get a lot for him. You're just essentially just dumping his money and going to give it to somebody else on the roster. That's essentially what's going to happen here. All right, yeah. now, all, all week we've been hearing all of a sudden, okay, this is not a gr- such a great class, such a great draft class. And I think it's news to me because I, I guess the, the, the spots that I'm interested in, uh, the units I'm interested in, Man, they're loaded, and none more loaded than defensive back, especially at cornerback. Uh, Simon, you got to agree, right? Like, this is a really healthy cornerback group. Yeah, it's a great class. It's a really, really good class. Uh, it's one of the best or better ones, certainly, over the last decade or so. I think there's a lot of players to like here, a lot of potential starters, a lot of different scheme fits, uh, just a lot of really good guys, and I think you'll find guys right the way down, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round that, you know, I think we'll be able to come in and play. Um, good safety group as well. I think there's some some interesting safeties. I mean, it's not the maybe not the quality of before, but I do think there's some there are some players at the safety position that can can also play. But uh, you know, I think there's yeah. We went into the season thinking that Keely Ringo would would end up being the number one corner. Certainly, that was what the you know the consensus felt like at the start of the season. And actually, I think he might end up being the sixth or seventh guy off the board. Um, you know, and there's a there's, there's a whole bunch of you know you could pick. I mean, I could, I could pick 10, 15 guys that I really like. I think there's probably four or five guys that go in the first round. I think there might be a couple of surprises in the first round. I think DJ Turner of Michigan might end up in round one. Darius Rush of South Carolina. You know, you, you, you end up getting a Cam Smith in the second or third round. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, you'd end up getting a Garrett Williams maybe in the fifth round. Um, you know, there's some, there's some good players in this draft, some interesting players at, at corner. Uh, a lot to like, a lot, lot of speedy guys. One of my favorite props every single year is the over-under on a unit and over-under on defensive back, and that's clear uh, how it's written, defensive back, so safeties are are welcome. It's five and a half in the first round, which I means you... Could, I think you could end up getting seven. Well, then, they, then I guess you like the over, and if you like the over, it's minus 105. Uh, you could get that on Better Edge, by the way. dot com, one of our sponsors. Um, why is that not a lock? Like I could see six right off the top of my head are clear cut first round talents, and I guess I'll let Simon chime in first, and then we'll go to Chris on this. Like you could see at least six right in the first yeah, round. I mean, uh, well, can you rattle the- them off? Because I, I'm I can like it's yeah. it's easy spoon, for me. Gonzalez, Porter Jr. Forbes, Deontay Banks, DJ Turner, Ringo, uh, yeah. and then Brian Branch. I mean, I wouldn't surprise me if Branch fell. To me, Brian Branch is a top 12 
player in this draft. I mean, he's very similar to Javon Holland in many ways. Mm-hmm. I, I think he didn't test amazingly at the Combine, but it just goes back to the fact that you just have to watch him play. You know, put the tape on. There's there's so much tape of him to to watch and to see how he performs. Um, that you know he he's a matchup player. He you know you play him all over. He's quick. He's rangy. He's instinctive. He is you know he's just really 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 good in all aspects of the game apart from that athletic ability. But the instincts, the you know he's always one step ahead of the game in terms of the instincts and knowing where the ball's going. Uh, I think he'll be a nickel. He could be a hybrid player that plays all over. He could play centre fielder. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he fell into the second round just because teams value. You know, he's not he's not massive. He's 5'11", 190. He's not massive, but um, just what teams value in terms of you know those kind of height, weight, speed numbers, he doesn't possess them. But I certainly think of the cornerback group. You know, you could be looking at, um, I mean, five or six going in the first round certainly. Um, and I think by the end of day, the end of the second round, you could have had what Witherspoon, Gonzalez, Porter, Banks, Forbes, Ringo, Turner, Clark Phillips, Rush, Cam Smith. I mean, teams are going to like the, the kid from Miami, Tyreek Stevenson. He's so long. Brents, the kid out of Kansas State. Yeah. Um, you know, Rajon Wright of Oregon State seems to be flying up the, you know, boards. Um, the kid at Northwestern, Mitchell, um, Corey Trice at Purdue. I mean, there's an awful lot of hell. Like, I learned I learned this off season that Tyreek Stevenson is actually really good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, he's not my taste. <laughs> no, not uh, mine either. But you know, he's got long arms. Uh, he is, you know, he's big. He's Fast. physical. He runs. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think it's a it's a really solid group. And I, and I think at the top of it, I think Devon Witherspoon is a, a, one of the best players in the draft. I think Christian Gonzalez reminds me a lot of Xavier Howard. Uh, in terms of physicality, the way he runs, the way he ball hawks. Porter Jr. is just like his dad. He's just tough as shit. Um, Forbes is a really good player. I mean, I think he's had six pick sixes at Mississippi State. I mean, he's straight up and down. I mean, he's 166 pounds. Um, you know, Ringo, you don't want him in short areas, and I wonder whether or not he, he projects to being a safety at time, you know, for some, for some teams. But certainly down the field, he's really, really impressive. He's just so big and long. He's like six foot one, 208 pounds. He's got 75 inch wingspan. Um, yeah, he's a he's an interesting player as well. And then, you know, you've got the two South Carolina kids who, uh, you know, if the Dolphins are looking for a corner, Chris, I mean, Chris Greer has spent a significant amount of time in and around that South Carolina program because that's where his son plays. So, you know, Cam Smith... Mm. And Darius Rush are players that he knows extremely well. Cam Smith, he won't get on. So Chris, we're, we're bombing. Him, right? We're bombing the yeah. over on five and a half. Yeah, I would. I would hit the over on it, and and for this reason, I think that this draft is coming out with a. Um, you're going to hit the over because this draft is light on uh, draftable talent. Um, and what I mean by that is you know, the NFL boards are generally going to be only about 150 players anyway. Um, and and I think that teams are coming up with even fewer than that. Uh, I just read that um, that the the GM of the um, Trent Balky of the, the ja- Jaguars uh, have 127 draftable players on their board. Um and so because it's light and because there's a, a lot of complaints about the first round in this draft, mm. um, 
then you're going to go, you're going to flee to the strength of the draft. And, you know, this corners group, I mean, what did they have? Seven guys who ran, seven guys who ran under 4-4 at the combine, just amongst the corners. Yeah, um, and, and by the way, I uh, hate to interrupt you, but let's give a little credit where it's due. Um, we were reporting, well, I, I don't think reporting is a strong word, but we were intimating that the Dolphins were not particularly interested in using that late first-round pick from the 49ers, and they they monetized it for Bradley Chubb. That's the 29th pick in this draft. Uh, I guess that was pretty smart from their advanced scout staff, right? Well, you know, I, not so smart. Well, I, you go two ways on it because they lost the pick. They lost the other pick. Right. You know, the, the, the penalty. So, um, but I mean, like, you know, if you, if you knew you, if you knew you were going to lose that other pick, would you have done the, I, I don't know. Like, or I guess they didn't, they didn't know. I, I just, you walk away without a first round pick and you're only picking in the second, the second round that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And if Bradley Chubb is not, is not performing, then, then we're going to hear about it. I, I, that's my opinion. I think that um, I think that they are going to be looking at it. And yeah, you can say this is a weak draft and whatever. They seems to be saying that every year, but um, the strength in this draft is at corners. I think now that they traded for Jalen Ramsey is more like, and the strength of, and one of the big strengths of this draft is all the corners. You know, that's that's where you get a little bit of relief. Um, but yeah, you had like seven guys running under four four and six six or seven guys. With uh, with over forty inch verticals and you know, just they were they were testing out the roof at the combine and so I think you're going to get a lot of default default picking and I was just looking at like consensus big board which you know puts together some something ridiculous like 140 big boards across uh, around media land and uh, you know sure enough there's seven guys in the top 36. Um, you know, some of the guys that we've been, that you talked about, Emmanuel Forbes, Keely Ringo, Cam Smith are like, you know, 33, 35, 36, but that's, I think those are going to get pushed up. I think because of the dissatisfaction with the first round, you're going to get, you're going to get the push up on, uh, on positions of strength and on good testing. And, um, and so sure enough that, that leads to about seven defensive backs in the, uh, the first round probably. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Now, Simon, I know you like, uh, Christian Gonzalez a lot. Uh, let's take a, a couple of these guys and let's see if we could form a hierarchy here. Uh, Devin Witherspoon, you would agree. I think it's a consensus, at least on this show. Like that's the number one guy at the position. You agree? Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Now we're building up that two, three, four and five spot. Okay. I think we all agree that Kelly Ringo has had a rough go as, as far as scouts taking a second look at his tape. And I would say that if we all agree that Christian Gonzalez and Joey Porter are two and three, number four is probably open. I'd like to submit Deontay Banks into that group. Uh, yeah. Your your thoughts as far as Deontay Banks being as a top five prospect at cornerback. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would go with a spoon, Gonzalez, Porter, probably Banks next. I like DJ Turner a lot. I think he's a really good player. He's, yeah, he's, I, I left five open because five five is so wide. I, I like Cam Smith a lot. I like uh, Forbes. I like Smith. I like Phillips. Uh, I like, I mean, he's not, I like Blue Kelly. Um, I like Darius Rush. Yeah, there's a lot of players I like. But I do like DJ Turner. I think DJ Turner will go in round one. 
I think Ringo will go in round two, actually. I mean, I would not be shocked if Keely Ringo is on the board or close to being on the board when the Dolphins are close to being on the clock. And that um, would be a hell of a decision. It would be an interesting decision, I think, because of his position versatility and the fact that he could probably play safety. Um, mm. And, uh, you, you know, you could play him. And it, I, I think he does his best work when you're facing, um, you know, when you're facing the play rather than, you know, so those zone, some of those zone um, looks that, that Vic Fangio has. But, yeah, I like him. Um, I like the guy that you just mentioned a lot, Banks. I think he's uh, he's an interesting guy. He's six foot. He's one ninety seven. Um, he can really run. I, I think he's a little bit indisciplined, um, but just everything that you're looking for in terms of size, arm length, athletic ability, physicality. I think he can play outside. I think he's probably a zone guy, but he's strong. He's he's yeah, he's got it all really. Um, I like him a lot, and I think he's um, I think he goes in the first round. Yeah, and he has the second best uh, athleticism score in the history of the combine at cornerback with a ninety-eight. It's almost perfect. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, one, of the things, a... one of the things that showed up on tape for me a bit—I don't know if you, how much you've watched him, Chris—but he—he's a bit. Um, he's almost over physical sometimes. He got called for a lot. I mean, I watched three or four games of his. He got called for a lot of penalties for sort of um, just sort of defensive holding or you know, kind of roughhousing guy part pass interference calls that probably were just that sort of hand fighting and just a bit grabby. You know how Source Gardner was a bit grabby last year? Um, mm. yeah, that was kind of, you know, that that showed up a little bit on tape for me. Um, and I don't think he... One career interception, maybe? I mean, not a lot of... Not a lot of... Um, you know, when you look at someone like Forbes, who's had six pick sixes. This guy's had... Mm. Let me just have a look. I'll try and get it up. How many interceptions? Oh, he's had two career interceptions. Okay. Mm. Um, but even so, that's uh, that's not a massive number, given that he's played uh, one, two, three, four years, played and played in 11, 23, 25, 31 games. So, yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't I haven't really watched um, uh, that many uh, that many of the defensive backs this year because I think the Dolphins are kind of uh, out of it at defensive back. Um, I think they're out of the game. Um, uh, until they get to the undrafted free agents and the uh, the one the pick two hundred to you know so on and forth area, then then they might get guys that are on their board. Um, I just don't see it. I think that the Dolphins with uh with Xavier Howard and uh, Jalen Jalen Ramsey and uh, Cater Coho and um you know they just they they grabbed back uh didn't they sign back Justin Bethel? Um, yes, they did. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, and I mean, no, Igbenogany is here. I know we don't count on him. Uh, he probably gets yet another reprieve just because, because by the way, he is he's still younger than some of the de- defensive backs. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, as I was looking at um, you know, he's he <laughs> so uh, he gets a reprieve because of his age, but also now, you know, now we've changed defenses again, and uh, or and and so he gets. He's going to get another look in this defense. Nick Needham is back. Um, I think that Trill Williams is probably moving to safety, uh, mm-hmm. and he's going to fig- figure in with um, with the four safeties that we have, uh, with uh, you know being Javon Holland, Deshaun Elliott, Brandon Jones, Veron McKinley, McKinley um, and he he and uh, Elijah Campbell will probably figure into that mix. Uh, at safety, I think that Trill's father kind of gave gave that away a little bit over um, over Twitter. I think Trill kind of hinted at it as well. Um, 
and then I, I think they've they've got a pretty corner or, or a pretty crowded uh, corner room already. So I don't think that we're going to see action here until until you know either at the very end of the draft or undrafted free agents. And I, I think the Dolphins are going to have um, they're going to have a field day with the UDFA crowd. Um, I think they're being very they're being very aggressive. I almost sense that they they're viewing it as a um, you know kind of a kind of a an evolving. Um, opportunity uh, to to get guys as undrafted free agents whereas they kind of used to be uh they used to be afterthoughts um you know let's we'll go ahead and we'll just fill it up fill up the the 90 man roster and um you know grab a couple of guys and stuff like that i th- i don't think they're viewing it like that anymore particularly as they've been drafted uh, you know the cupboard's been pretty bare this year and last year as far as draft resources mm-hmm. um so I, I, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if they've got some, you know, very hot targets uh, for the UDFA crowd. But um, but otherwise, you know, are they going to end up taking uh, uh, Kelly Ringo um, in, at number 51 if he does make it? First off, I doubt he makes it down there um, just because of the way the other positions in the draft are shaping up. Um are they going to take them? Uh, you know, I, I will bet against that, you know, strongly. So um, that's, that's just my opinion. Right. Now he's younger than Amir Speed of Michigan State. He's younger than Makai Blackman of USC. He's younger than Riley Moss. Is he is he younger than Julius Brents? He... Uh, Brett, so he, uh, Noah what? is 23 and five months and brents is 23 and three months so just just barely uh, you just barely clark phillip uh darius rush is 23 and two months um yeah daryl luter is 23 and two months uh blackman i mentioned uh starling thomas the uab kid is 23 and three months so yeah i mean it's he's close he's close It's pretty incredible, but um, it is. And what's it? Yeah. This is fourth season. Uh, yeah. Was was his rookie year twenty twenty? Yes, yes, yes. It's his fourth season. Crazy. That's, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're gonna go to break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about that pick fifty one because I got I got two guys that I'm eyeballing for that that fifty first pick. I have my doubts on one. I'm certain on another, but. First, these words. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. 
After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. All right. When we get into pick fifty-one, like yeah, Kelly Ringo, uh, that's square in that range, possibly. All right. There's only one guy that I do look at and say there's an outside possibility. But the more I look at it and the more I do my own mock evaluation, man, he strikes me as the type of guy that you take at the end of the first round. And that's Brian Branch of Alabama. I know you like him a lot, Simon. Uh, Lance Erline thinks he's Minka Fitzpatrick um, as far as his versatility on tape. I've seen some of it. Uh, he He essentially does it all. He does everything that Minka Fitzpatrick actually did at Alabama. And... There's a lot to like. Like now, he didn't, you know, he didn't blow everybody away at the combine, but you know, this is going to be a safety. And in this system, man, at 51, how do you not run up there to take him and play him here? Yeah, I mean, I talked about him in the first half. I think he's a phenomenal player. I actually think he's going to be a nickel rather than a safety at the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he can play him all over. I think he can. Uh, he's just got that sort of hybrid versatility. He's undersized. He doesn't have a great build. Doesn't have a great body type. Didn't run particularly well, but everything else just, you know. Yeah, he has an odd body type because he's very, very slim uh, from his chest down, but he's he's he has like a burly, he's built like a linebacker, like yeah. giant arms, big chest, big neck. He's great in man coverage. I think he has a really good understanding of zones and where the dead areas are. I think he's got great footwork. I think he triggers really well. He click and close. Uh, he just knows where the ball is. I, I think he pursues really well in terms of angles and he can run the alley. He can, um, you know, he understands leverage in the run game. He was a great special teamer. Um, uh, he had two punt returns for touchdowns. He was regular on the, on the kick and punt teams. Uh, I just think he's just like, I don't know how much Alabama coaches loved him just in terms of his leadership, in terms of his first in, last out kind of mentality. Uh, I just think he's um, I just think he's a really, really good player. Look, he played like you go back and talk to some of the Alabama people. He played in practice against Bryce Young against. I mean, there's a apparently he played like one on one against John Mechie in practice regularly in terms of playing pure corner as well. So this is a guy Mm. that. You know he can do he can do it all. I think he's a terrific player. Wouldn't surprise me if he fell into the second round just because of that those athletic numbers, which weren't amazing. Um, you know he ran a four fifty eight, which is fine, but he's, he's you know he's thirty inch arms, small hands, small wingspan, but he's young. Um, you know he's only twenty, just twenty one, five eleven, one ninety. I just think he's a, a tremendous player. Well, it turns out that Chris is not with us right now. There's nothing wrong with him. You know, like like he is with us. You know, I'm you know, because usually when you say that somebody's no longer with us, that's not a good thing, right? He is not with us on this podcast right now because his internet, I guess, crapped out. Well, he so, died. No, no, no. I, I you know, that's why I said that I had to clarify when I say when he's no longer with us, I mean his internet is dead. 
but we don't know that he hasn't died. No, we don't know. So I, I think he's okay. I suspect he's still alive, but right. But he you may know. not be with us. Yeah, don't 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 accuse me of fake news. Like I don't have I don't have that information at hand right now. I do know he is not on this show right now. So we're gonna have to finish up this show without him. All right. At 51, Simon, it's Brian Branch and pretty much any nobody else where you would pass up on, let's say, a Sam Laporta or maybe even a Dewan Jones, where you look at a guy and you say, you know what? This guy actually dropped. It's yeah, probably I mean, Kelly Ringo, Brian Branch. Like, there's nobody else really at 51, right? It would be hard for me to pass on Brian Branch at 51 because I think I genuinely think he's a top 12 player in this draft. Mm. Um, so for me personally, it would be very hard to pass, but it's not a position of need at all. So, you know, you have to... Uh, and I suspect that the Dolphins, with only four picks and only really realistically two picks... Um, are going to be, not going to be picking best player available. I think that's, I, I would imagine they're probably more picking for need than they are for, for BPA. Um, but, you know, I, I would imagine given, you know, what Chris Greer likes, I, I'd imagine that a guy like Brian Branch would be fairly high on their board. And if he did fall to 51, you'd have to run up to the podium and take him. Yeah. And if you look at the, the secondary, the future of this team is, uh, on the secondary is easily Javon Holland. I'm pretty sure that they, they have high hopes uh, going forward. Brandon Jones, he's had a pretty good run-up since his injury as far as rehabbing, so he should be ready for camp. He's telling everybody he's ready for camp, and he's posting videos of doing, you know, strenuous. Though, with, with Jones, because this, the, the way that he plays stylistically and what he does best mm-hmm. really did fit the previous defense. It'll be very interesting to see how he's utilized by Vic Fangio in mm-hmm. a system that really utilizes light boxes and plenty of players in the secondary, because actually that's not necessarily a Brandon Jones strength. Jones is an alley running, hard hitting, downhill tackle machine who gets into the box, likes to make tackles from sideline to sideline, and is an extremely effective blitzer both inside and off the edge. And that's not something that Vic does at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it'll be very interesting to see what he what he does. The other thing about Branch, of course, is that you know that you could argue that there's too much similarity between him and Holland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and actually some of you you look at somebody like Christopher Smith of Georgia, who actually has the an almost identical physical in terms of size, length, height, weight kind of guy, is the same as Brandon Jones, but just much more instinctive, much better against the pass um than uh than Jones is, but you know it's a it's an interesting state. There, there are safeties that I really like in this class, who I think could be you know consistent players and do a, a number of really interesting things. You know, nobody talks about Antonio Johnson around the Dolphins, but you know Jair Browns had ten has had more interceptions the last two seasons than anybody in college football with ten. Like Jordan Battle at, at Alabama, you know Brian Branch's teammate is just a really solid, uh, smart, experienced, reliable, competitive safety. Um, you know the the Mapu kid at Sacramento State is a really interesting, uh, really interesting player. Like a completely sort of match up weapon. Some teams will view him as a linebacker. Some teams will view him as a big safety, core special teamer. Jamie Robinson at Florida State is, uh, or Jamie Robinson at Florida State is, you know, he's small, but you know he's just instinctive and urgent, and you know, 
Yeah, and so and so was uh, so was Antoine Winfield, right? Like he was considered small as well coming out. So Sidney Brown as well as another player I really like, the Illinois guy. I thought he was really good at the at the combine. I think he's just so instinctive. He just he's he's full gas, no breaks the whole time. Um, I, I think he's a good player. And he just you know you even go down the list. You know the kid at Oklahoma State, Jason Taylor the second isn't a bad player. There's who else is that I like kind of later on, Brandon Hill at Pittsburgh, who I think the Dolphins were. Heavily at the at the Pittsburgh Pro Day, looking at Alexander, but I think um, I think Hill is a is an interesting player. That the um, there's a kid at Iowa State, uh, Anthony Johnson, um, who I think is just like just you know when you talk about traits and football character, uh, I, I think he's that kind of high floor kind of prospect that that teams will bring in. He'll be a core special teamer. Um, you know, so I mean, like, look at a guy like Brandon Joseph, who was, you know, touted as a first round pick when he was at North Northwestern, went to Alabama, went to Notre Dame, and and didn't play particularly well. Um, but you know, he's got some traits that you you think he could he could play. So, you know, you go right down the list, and there's, you know, there are definitely safeties that can that can play. You just wonder what the Dolphins are going to do. You know, do they bring back Brandon Jones in terms of he's obviously coming back, but you know. How, how does he fit into the scheme? Does Trill Williams go to safety? Obviously, Verone McKinley is still there and was okay when he was on the field. So, you know, Jalen Ramsey, do you talk about Jalen Ramsey as a potential future safety? Does he play some mm-hmm. does he line up for safety sometimes? Yeah, you maybe know? that's his, maybe the, the long-term guy out of Jalen Ramsey. Because you look at Jalen Ramsey and you look at Xavier Howard's contracts, and it's kind of obvious, right? One is gone in two years. One yeah. of the two has to go. Like, that's happening. Maybe. You know, Maybe they're thinking Jalen Ramsey is the one that's going to be here for the next five, six, seven years. Yeah, I mean, Vic was talking about new schemes that he was excited to try out in the secondary. And, you know, it's one of those things moving Jalen Ramsey to safety a little bit, you know, sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the more I look at it, you know, Vic, uh, he said he didn't want to have any preconceived notions by watching too much film on these guys in a different system. But he's going to see these guys June 6th, 7th and 8th. In OTAs, he's going to see them against a pretty good offense. He's going to see them try to cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So that's a pretty good primer on what he might want. It's entirely possible they just punt on the entire class. And then if he makes an assessment, uh, Kareem Jackson is still out there as a free agent, you know? And that's a Vic Fangio favorite. So that, that could I, be I a guy who could find his way here. I could absolutely, as much as we've talked about the secondary, you can absolutely see them just not going anywhere near. Yeah, but I'll give you I'll give you one guy. I don't know about eighty four because every time I like a guy in this class, first of all, I love, you know, I love the guy out of out of Penn State. You know, I, we're just talking about him right now, Jerry Brown, such a Jair Brown. He's such a productive player. Uh, he looks to me like a first round talent. I think at fifty one, he'll be there. I don't know why he tested so so poorly, but here's a guy that I that I've liked for a while. I've seen him play plenty and man he just too rich for my blood at 84 but if they could finagle another pick somewhere in the hundreds from like let's say one 110 to around 150 chris smith of of georgia i know you kind of liked them before simon uh, what are your thoughts of of him as far as a fit i think he's a perfect fit but what do you think of him as a as a player if yeah, they could manage fine. another pick yeah, I talked here. about him just a minute ago in terms of just how he um he reminds you of Brandon Jones, uh, you know, mm. almost exclusively exactly the same size. Um, uh, just a really good player. I, I think he, you know, small, but he's just really talented, great read and react guy. 
um, ball skills off the charts in terms of how he does, how he looks, uh, how he attacks the football, and has done it at the very highest level in that secondary of that uh, of the back-to-back national champions. He's always around the ball, um, and I think while some teams might just say, "Look, he's too small for us," I think you just look at Brandon Jones and you look at Chris Smith, and you you know these are the same guy really. I think, but I think you know. I talked about him as a second round pick before the combine. I think he probably falls into day three. Uh, mm. And I think he might fall into the fourth, fifth round, uh, at which point he'd be huge value. Yeah. 110 to 150, I think is his sweet spot because I, I'm trying to find a player for 84 and I'm having a hard time with it. Although I can talk myself into, you know, Jerry Brown, but um do you have a guy for 84 where you can start thinking like maybe this guy's here and you could have a vision for him in this team yeah, on this not, team? Not necessarily guys I like, but I think there'll be guys. I think the two Penn State guys, Scruggs and the tight end, Brenton Strange, I think that could be absolutely in their wheelhouse. I don't think it'll be a defensive back at all. I, I think defensive lineman, I think uh, the the Roy kid at LSU who they like, uh, I, I think would be interesting. Uh Wonder where Keanu Benton goes. I think he's probably around the 50 area. I think um, the edge rusher wouldn't surprise if they looked at an edge guy or a linebacker. Um, Demarvian Demar- Overshone, who I know that they like, they brought in as a as a 30 visit. They had an extensive meeting with him. I, I believe they had breakfast with him at the the Texas Pro Day. Um, so they are, you know, he is a player that they really like and, and a sort of hybrid safety kind of linebacker. Uh, it all depends on what they think about Tyndall. I talked about this last week. You know, what do mm. they think about Channing Tyndall? What does Vic Fangio think about him? Uh, you know, intelligence was always the question. Not, uh, yeah, I think he scored 20 on the Wonderlick, you know, but in terms of football intelligence, um, you know, he's very linear, straight line, A to B, B to C, C to D. You know, he runs straight to straight to straight. You know, he gets there in a hurry. But instinctively, and that football intelligence is maybe something that's lacking, and really that's something you need massively in a Fangio defense. So that'll be interesting to see. I think, look, it, it could be a running back. You look at someone like Devon A. Chain could be there at, in the eighties. You know, mm. does Jack Charbonnet last? You know, how do they feel about some of the more zone uh, guys like Israel Abanikanda and and players like that? I don't think it'll be a receiver because I think the Robbie Anderson signing could be a wheelhouse tight end. You know, I mean, we talk about Spunk Meyer, but it could be, you know, it could be him. <laughs> it could be him. Yeah. Um, you know, which would be thoroughly depressing. You know, you could easily see them. You could easily see them take Matthew Bergeron at fifty-one and yes. Meyer at eighty-three or whatever the pick eighty-four. Uh, that those could easily be the two picks. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. I I would also wonder if if they want to you know take some of these picks and turn them into several picks, uh, because yeah, the, the more I look at them, man, this draft should be pretty rich from like seventy five to like one twenty five, like that fifty pick spot right there. They got one pick inside of essentially seventy spots, which is that's a massive massive jump just to only have one pick. And, you know, that's pretty, that's an area that's usually, you know, chock full of guys that you, that can make the bottom of the roster. Um, as far as uh, the end of this draft, uh, the bottom of this draft, I wanted to ask you about one guy. Uh, we talked about him off, off air. What's happened to Eli Ricks? Uh, this is supposed to be a first round talent once upon a time. He was a five-star athlete. 
Um, he looks the part in uniform. His tape is not particularly great. First of all, he doesn't play too much. But your thoughts on on Eli Ricks? Uh, first of all, I think he would be a priority UDFA if he went undrafted. But yeah, your, think, your thoughts on him as a player? Yeah, I think he goes seventh round, probably undrafted. I mean, people might buy into him in the in the in the uh, seventh round because he's six two, he's one hundred and eighty eight pounds. But you know, obviously, go back to that freshman year, he was outstanding at LSU. You know, all American kind of year as a as a freshman, and an absolute height length kind of guy. Um, he's he had six or eight pick six touchdowns at high school and college. You know, so he knows how to, you know, mm-hmm. he knows how to 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 get the ball to find the ball. But he barely played at Alabama. I don't know why he transferred anyway. Um, he barely, I think he played only three games, um, and just didn't train on really. He just looks stiff. He looks undisciplined. Um. You know, he, he didn't work out particularly well because he's injured all the time. He tore a labrum in his shoulder. Um, he's had a, in fact, he's had two torn labrums. Um, he had a back injury last year. He had a concussion in November, which made him, he missed multiple games. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, I just think that teams might look at those kind of traits that he has, you know, long arms, 6'2", 188 pounds, you know, uh, I think he hurt himself at the combine. He had a hamstring issue. Um, so yeah, I mean, this five-star kid, number two kid in the in the twenty twenty class, behind Keely Ringo, the number one recruit in California, or the number two recruit behind Bryce Young in California. Um, but I just hasn't trained on, and I don't think that um, I don't think that he he'll be just a guy. I think I just don't see it. He's just too stiff for me. Yeah, and and I look at the end of this draft, and and. Man, there's so many good football players, college football players, but they tested so poorly, mm. uh, which kind of makes me question, you know, what I actually was watching. Because one guy that you know I saw him play enough, where I'm I'm watching and I'm like, man, this this guy moves like a pro, comes off the hash well and looks fast, plays fast, but good God, the guy ran a four seven five at his pro date. How is that possible? Trey Dean of Florida. I think we could end it here. <laughs> Uh, Trey Dean, like what happened to him? Uh, like that's undraftable. Like how the hell do you run a four seven five at six two two hundred pounds? Uh, I think he ran a four sixty seven at the combine. Actually, just looking. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, he's what is he two hundred one pounds six two? So yeah, yeah very long, uh, lean. Yeah, I mean, like he's, I don't know. To me, he's kind of a a late round he falls into that kind of category of like guys like demarco helms you know kind of played at a really good school at a decent level started a lot of games you know i think dean was a four-year star and versatile i just don't think that he you know he's got really good length he's tough he's loose i think actually what you might do is you might just bring him in as a kind of a a guy who'd be like a match-up weapon against tight ends you know what i mean he's that kind Mm. of because he's long and he's got long arms and uh, he's big handed and uh, actually ran a four seventy five at the combine and four sixty seven at his pro day. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think he's kind yeah, of yeah. He's co- he's confirmed slow. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. He's not a twitchy at all, but I think he's quite patient. He's strong. Uh, he's played a lot of football. Uh, I think he played sixty odd games at Florida, something ridiculous like that. I mean, let me have a look. Uh, where are we? So five. Yeah, he played a lot. Like yeah, you, 13 you, you games in 
12, 25, 36, 49, 59, 62 games. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of football. Yeah. What's your experience with that, by the way, on the way out here? Uh, guys that you watched in college and you're like, man, this guy, this guy's going to be a pro. They go test and you're like, my God, he's unplayable. <laughs> like he's undraftable. At yeah. the, at, like those are guys that you just make them priority UDFAs, right? You got, yeah, exactly. And look, th- there are three, uh, there are three parts to, the, to, to American football. You know, there's a special teams group as well. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, four special teams players are really important. Um, and I know that, that, that a lot of special teams has been devalued, but you're still, you know, uh, we were talking, I can't remember who we were talking about earlier on, but uh I'm trying to think who it was. Uh, maybe it was in a Twitter conversation I was having with Omar Kelly, but you know, there's a guy we were talking about, he's played 830 snaps, um, you know, on special teams in his career. And you just think that, you know, guys like that, you can't buy that sort of experience. You know what I mean? And I know you, it feels like, oh, you're just running, you're running down the field on coverage teams, and and that's just the way it. Do you know what I mean? You're not making mm-hmm. tap, but that's not true. You know that is not true. These are, you know, this is important stuff. Um, you know, you're looking for guys who can just. How can you? How can you contribute in the NFL? You know, tell me how you can contribute. What can you do to make my team better? And if that means you're going to become a, a special teams captain, a special team stud. That's how you make your money. Then so be it. And there is room in the NFL for those guys as well. So you know, not everybody's a star, not everybody has the athletic talent to to go and play. But there are an awful lot of guys. You know, whether that's receivers, whether that's safeties, corners, who will come in and you know they'll end up being the seventh or eighth guy in their in their room. But what they will be is an absolute core, valuable tackle machine, gunner. You know protector whatever it is on special teams and, and the league absolutely needs those guys yeah and if you look at the dolphins man they're so loaded in the secondary they're so chock full of talent on the secondary that they're going to have uh core special teamers playing in their actual special teams roles last year they started Keon crossing in the playoff game okay yeah. this year he's cornerback five <laughs> all right they're brought back cornerback seven unless if you want to give uh, Noig Benogany, cornerback six. They brought back cornerback seven in Justin Bethel. So, yeah, as far as taking a guy at 51 at cornerback, it's going to have to be somebody like Cam Smith. And they got to be way over the moon. They got to be thinking, my God, we just, you know, we, we hit the lottery here by having this guy drop to us. But, yeah, I, I don't expect them to be too active in the secondary in this draft. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Unless they get extremely lucky, of course. All right, that's it. And that's it for the entire draft series. The next time we talk to you, it'll be draft week. All right? So we'll talk in a more macro sense of the entire draft and as far as 51 and what the Dolphins might do there at 51. Um, That, I don't know, that that chosen Anderson signing, I don't know, they keep talking about him. That's starting to blow up my my Jonathan Mingo fantasies. Like, that's not going to happen, you know? It just might be as simple as they're just going to take a tight end at 51. But we'll talk about it next week, draft week. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.